0: This is the Stay at Home Starseed Podcast, and I am your host, Stephanie Carroll. Today I want to talk about what the rest of the world is talking about, and that is the coronavirus, COVID-19. So honestly, I am already tired of hearing and talking about the virus, and we haven't even seen the extent of this first wave of it. So this is my attempt to get everything off my chest all of my thoughts, all of my feelings out there and be able to go on with my life and not concern myself with what the rest of the world is freaking out about. I'm ready to declutter my house and get my garden ready for the spring and everything else that I want to do around here and not necessarily be focusing on where the virus is going or what's going on. So I'm not an expert um, I gonna just put that out there right up front. I'm not an expert. I have read their information. I've listened to their podcasts. I am educated, however, have studied microbiology and you know some things like that. So I do have a background in information. Pathogenic microbiology was an awesome course. I loved it. So there's been a lot of helpful courses that I've taken that help me to understand information and what's actually going on out there. Um, so I am more than likely going to give some suggestions and some information on things nutritionally, maybe even supplements. As I ramble on here, do your own research. You know, Do what you want with it. Um, it's just a suggestion. It's up to you what you do with it. When all of this started, I, um, I kind of was prepared. And a lot of that goes back to just my personality and the way I am. Like, people tend to show up and want my help when they're in some sort of tragedy or there's some sort of transformation happening in their lives. Because I'm good at that part. Like I'm good at thriving in that chaos and that tragedy. I mean, even when my kids went through an F5 tornado, like I really didn't freak out. It was like, okay, let's prepare for the worst, what we're going to expect going in, and let's get to work. So that's kind of where I am. But I also had preparation and knowledge of what a pandemic can do several years ago. So when I was in college, I think it was probably 2006, I'm guessing, and judging by my dates here in front of me, I think it was 2006. I took an evolution course as part of my coursework. And one of the supplemental reading, you know, the worksheets and everything that we have was a monograph written by a doctor. Let's see, His name was Groton-Woodson, or is he still alive? And it was called Preparing for the Coming Influenza Pandemic. And it's something that he wrote for his patients. This was right as the H5N1 bird flu was really being talked about and what he saw as a potential for what could happen if we had a pandemic with that or any other type of flu or virus in the future because statistically is going to happen and about every 100 years we have a major pandemic so we were coming up on that time for something to happen and he wanted his patients to be prepared so that they weren't freaking out they knew what to do they knew how to take care of themselves and then if they got sick or someone in their family got sick, they would know how to take care of them the best they could. Because a lot of the daily maintenance and care was not something that you really had to have done in a hospital. It's not until you have the breathing issues that it can get really bad. And we all know that when hospitals are overrun, there's probably not going to be a place for them anyway. So in this document that he produced, there's a lot of information about pandemics, history of the 1918 Spanish flu. He goes into the math behind predicting how many people could die for the next one. You know, what to expect, what will more than likely happen, just like we're seeing now with the supply chains breaking down, not getting the materials we need and other scenarios like that and then practical tips on how you can take care of yourself and others. So there are a couple paragraphs that I want to read because this is something that I don't hear anybody talking about. They're talking about the science of the virus and they're talking about the pandemic and what we can expect to see, you know, and some people are rolling their eyes about it is go on both sides, right? So this is what he says in his document A feature of influenza pandemics not well appreciated generally is that they occur in waves. 1918 Spanish flu was associated with three waves while the 1958 Asian flu and the 1968 Hong Kong flu pandemics have two distinct waves each. The reason for this behavior is not known, but some have speculated that it is due to the change in the season of the year. The timing of a wave may also be related to a genetic change or mutation in the new strain of influenza virus. In past pandemics, the time between two waves was three to nine months. A point to keep in mind about pandemic waves is that the second wave can be much more severe than the first or third wave of the series. During the 1918 pandemic, the deadly second wave was responsible for more than 90% of the deaths for the entire pandemic. While the typical flu season predictably occurs from November through March during pandemics, flu can vary from the script. The first wave of the 1918 flu occurred in the spring of that year, ending in March. That flu was very severe by usual standards, but the second wave, beginning six months later in September, was the most fatal. The third wave occurred during the following winter, spring, and was the mildest of all. It is of note that pandemics end simply because all or most susceptible persons within the population have contracted the infection and have either died or developed immunity. That, to me, is something that we need to be aware of, because right now we are seeing the first wave come in. It is still spreading across America and other parts of the world. And there are a lot of people that say, oh, well, it's this going to come? It's not really going to hurt us, and then it's going to disappear. And that may be possible. But we also have to be prepared for anything or something to reemerge in the fall or at a second time point. Over history, that has been when it has been the most fatal. Even if this goes away in a month or so, we still need to be taking our precautions and being prepared. If you have the toilet paper or you have beans or spaghetti or whatever it is you're hoarding, go ahead and leave that there. Don't give it away or sell it. You might need it because there could be a second quarantine, a second time to stay out of the public if you have not had the virus yet. Let's talk about what people are doing right now in panic mode. Honestly, we don't need to panic. We just need to be prepared. And it's really eye-opening for me to see everyone running to stores and getting, to me, weird things to quarantine themselves in their house. You know, And I've, I've seen different estimates. You know, some people say expect you know, two to six weeks. Others say up to three months. It's, it's up to you what you want to do with that. But the things that people are getting just don't make sense. It really doesn't make sense to me why we're getting the things we're getting. I just, I don't even know really what I wanna say about this. Um, Because people are so afraid of the unpredictable. We wanna pretend like we can make a vaccine Or we can make an antibiotic and we can control nature and we can't virus bacteria all these microorganisms have been here much longer than the human species has been here they know how to survive they know how to get around anything we can throw at them they have been doing it they have developed antibiotic resistance they have started developing resistance to vaccines that's why we are adding more and more doses they know what they're doing they know how to get around our immune system it's not that we were ever in control like these things they're cyclical you know we always talk about like the wheel you know the wheel of the year the wheel of life we have this life cycle we've got the astrological cycle and the movement of the planets and the movements of the seasons. We don't think about the cycles of the planet. We are seeing that now with these outrageous fires, because there's not controlled burns anymore, that are allowing the natural cycles of the earth to take place. You know, they're, they're not burning out the ticks. They're not burning out the brush. We are shifting the ecology of the environment and The systems that we have because of these things—it is changing the ranges of animals, and you know—and there's more to it than that. But overall, we do have these cycles, and we're just learning about them. So when a pandemic or anything like that comes up, it's natural. So I guess maybe that's where I'm not understanding people freaking out is because yes, I understand it's a natural part of life. These things are going to happen. Yes, it sucks. I don't want people to die. I don't want them to be in pain and in fear. Dying of pneumonia and not being able to breathe is like the freakiest thing to me because I have this thing with breathing and drowning. So anything like that, I really don't like it and I wanna do everything to prevent people from getting sick or helping them to where the symptoms aren't as bad. But I also understand that things like this are going to happen and you know, it's just it's going to happen. We're going to have to be prepared for things like that and A lot of our countries aren't prepared we did not have contingency plans in place you know my son's school is sending me messages saying that they are working on a plan I'm thinking why aren't these things in place already we have plans for all of these shooters and bad guys to be coming in through the doors and we're going to keep everybody safe and we know what we're doing and we have a plan and we've talked about it for months or years but the thing that's really going to take us out nobody is even talking about because they are afraid or they want to avoid it they don't want to think that it can actually happen and it's going to happen so now we're in this the situation where we are where people don't know what to do, and everybody has their opinion, whether it's just going to go away, it's nothing, we don't need to worry about it, and other people that say this is a bad thing, there's a lot of deaths going to happen, we don't know how bad it's going to get, but it's definitely going to be worse than a regular flu season, and, you know, there's like chaos and catastrophe, and everybody's doing these different things, and Is it going to make it worse? Is it going to make it better? We don't know. But there is, really, there's no leadership. Some countries have buckled down. But here's the thing. Are we going to look at the health? Or are we going to look at the financial? Because there's going to be one that goes down, right? There's going to be the health or there's going to be the finances. And in some places, maybe both. We're going to have a huge struggle economically, especially in Oklahoma, because we don't have people that are traveling. We don't have them driving plus people that are down because they're sick. So oil prices are going down. Gas prices are going down. That means people are going to be laid off, and they're not going to have money. So we have a financial situation where the stores need profits. They need people to come in, but people aren't going to have the money because they're losing their jobs because nobody's traveling like there's this this big cycle you can pretend like there's no health crisis to keep that going but then more people are going to get sick and then you're going to have a healthcare issue where you're going to overcrowd the hospitals and you're not going to have the medications because nothing is moving nothing's being manufactured because everybody's down Um, and we're already seeing that now where people are starting to not have the drugs that they need for maintenance and for these critical situations. So, you know, really, in one way or the other, it's a lose-lose. But why have we not prepared for these scenarios? Why is there not a contingency plan in place for these types of things? You know, I've heard experts talking about this also. Why is it that we spend so much money on an airplane or defense to keep us safe from bombers and you know terrorists but nothing is done for the microorganisms that wreak havoc on us every year every day and have since the beginning of life you know that's that's what they do so a virus needs a host to replicate and to do its job now, there's a lot of discussion is a virus alive is it not either way it's still replicating it's still mutating it's doing its job it's going to be there we need to think about those things and we're not doing it so then we have people that are buying gallons and gallons of fuel to I don't know, run a generator maybe or, you know, boxes and boxes of diapers and toilet paper. There's no toilet paper on any of the shelves. Some stores are rationing it. Even if you are in your house for three months, you don't need that much toilet paper. Seriously, my whole family, we have at least five people in this house all the time. And I can buy one of the big things toilet paper from, from Sands and it lasts like three months. Maybe two and a half depending on if I have a child that wants to play in it and you know like toilet paper the house or something like that. But two to three months you only need one container and that's for a big family. If it's just like two people or three people you don't need that much and yet we have people hoarding it. I mean, This virus, this coronavirus is more respiratory. Yes you can have abdominal issues with it uh, that is possible, but let, let's take care of your lungs first before you're worried about pooping. Okay, And even if you do have abdominal issues, there are more sustainable ways to cleanse yourself. You don't have to have the toilet paper. You know, People went without toilet paper for a really long time. It's possible. So I don't know why that's what everybody thinks they need. You know, and then you look at the shelves in the stores. And I know some places are completely out of everything, but here it's beans, rice, spaghetti, um, maybe canned beans, eggs were low. A lot of non-perishable items that you can just put on the shelf, uh, which makes sense because you can keep them for a long time. So if you don't use them now, you still have them. At the same time, a lot of the foods that can help you boost your immune system that are high in vitamin C and these other nutrients and minerals that can help you and help fight any sort of virus or bacteria is your fruits and veggies and your lean meats, these type of things, and they're full. I got some awesome deals on produce because nobody's buying it. And even if you are in the house for two or three weeks, a lot of the veggies are still going to be good. Like cabbage lasts forever. Apples will last a couple weeks. I don't get it. So I'm going to change subjects and let's talk about some things you can actually do for your good that are going to help you to stay healthy and maintain your health. Because like I said, there could be a second wave come through that's going to be worse. So right now, start preparing your body, keeping it healthy and strong, and continue those practices so down the line, if it's this virus or if it's another virus that causes some sort of pandemic, your body is more prepared for it. There's a lot of people out there that are talking supplements, and I'll talk a little bit about supplements, but the truth is a lot of people do not have access to good supplements, They're not herbologists, so they don't know what those herbs are. They don't know how to use them. Uh, Even just the pricing of them could be out of their price range. So I want to focus on just practical things that you can do nutrition-wise, just overall health uh, and well-being type stuff that you really probably should be doing already, but I know a lot of people aren't. And this is a really good wake-up call to do those types of things. So obviously, stress management is going to be key. Um, There's a lot of people that are freaked out, and they're running around, and they're really worried. Um, Anything you can do to calm yourself and calm those around you is really going to help because stress messes with the body, right? And we're depleting minerals and things that our body will need for the immune response. In doing that um, movement now if you become sick or you have symptoms you may not want to keep up your vigorous exercise but you still want to move your body a little bit um, unless you have really bad symptoms obviously but you don't want to exercise so much to the point that you are causing more stress uh, than is really necessary you do want to have some stretching movements or you know something just Get your body going. A lot of us are sedentary, and we need to start that anyway. Sleep, obviously, is another one that helps. Getting a lot of sleep is really good for you at all times, but it will help your immune system as well, especially if you are sick. You need to rest. Food. So, once again, people are getting this stuff, and there's, there's really no rhyme or reason for a plan. So for me, if I am going to get food, I want it to be something that is going to be nutrient dense. That's going to help me. I'm thinking things like garlic and basil, you know, fruits and veggies. The the garlic has compounds in it, like allicin, that can help with viruses. It can be an antimicrobial. One of my favorite recipes is bruschetta. So really that's just the crusty bread, but we think about it with the tomatoes and stuff. So like tomatoes with basil and garlic and olive oil and a little bit of balsamic vinegar. Oh, it's so good. Uh, But it's also packed full of nutrients. And if you have that raw garlic that you've pressed, you know, just let it sit there. Just sitting there for 60 seconds helps to get those enzymes and the allicin and, and these other Nutrients flowing from it things like that can help boost your body. This is a respiratory disease So do things that are going to help your lungs so eating things like Dairy products they really thicken up mucus So when you have sorts of congestion and and sinus type stuff the milk can actually make it worse so reducing dairy products and adding in things like radishes and lemon that can help to cut the slim and the mucus that you have. Those things will actually help reduce that. So, like I said, radishes, lemon, um, ginger, turmeric, things like that to help get that mucus out of your body and keep it low so you're not going into anything already full of gunk because then if you have a virus that's killing the in your lungs and it's causing the fluid to build up that's you know you're just you're not starting out on a good foot so things like that I think would be good to start doing obviously reducing inflammation in your body that's always a big thing so anti-inflammatory diet I mean cutting out sugar cutting out wheat reducing your caffeine intake reducing your alcohol intake um, I already said dairy, that's another one. Eggs could be an issue for people. Penis could be an issue for people. Just get those inflammatory foods out of your diet. Start cutting them out, reducing that. That will help a lot just with your overall well-being. Your stress and anxiety levels could possibly go down too. I know when I eat that way, a lot of the jitteriness and the anxiousness goes away. Fatty acids, your omega 3s, they're anti inflammatory, um, increasing those essential fatty acids. I saw a study, geez, I think it was done, I don't remember if it was in the 90s or early 2000s. Um, I may have to look it up. But I mean, even back in the 80s, they were studying the fatty acids in breast milk as having antiviral properties. And again, there's this study about linoleic acid and how that can play an effect in the coronaviruses, not this one, but um, other coronaviruses that they've studied, in having an impact on its ability to replicate and, and cause symptoms. It actually decreased symptoms and length of infection. Those are good to get into your system. Um, protein is essential for your uh, immune system to work. So if you're not eating a lot of protein, just make sure you're getting the amounts that are recommended for you. Or if if you're a vegetarian, maybe get like a pea protein powder or some other sort of protein powder that can help you ramp that up to ensure that you're getting the recommended amounts that you need. Other vitamins that are good for your immune system: uh, vitamin D. That's essential. None of us really get enough of that. You can supplement with it. You can also just go out in the sun and get some vitamin D. You can find that in salmon and other fatty fish. Eggs are good. Mushrooms are good. Dairy has vitamin D in it. But again, I would stay away from the dairy as much as possible just because we want to give the mucus a break, right? A vitamin C, that's always a go-to. Oranges, strawberries... and kale have vitamin C in them, broccoli, your bell peppers, those are all high in vitamin C. And there has been some evidence coming out that like a vitamin C IV actually helped people in China. So boosting your vitamin C ahead of time may be a good way to go just to get it in there and to help fight this virus. Vitamin A is another one that is good for your immune system. That's going to be in things like your sweet potatoes, kale, carrots, again, salmon, liver, if you like liver or, you know, you're willing to to try it. You could do things like that. And now some other minerals and things that can also help are things like zinc. The studies with zinc are kind of all over the place. Some say it helps your immune system. Some say it doesn't. A lot of that has to do with the types of zinc and things that are used in those experiments. If you look at the ones that do say it helps, it actually cuts symptoms and link the time of the infection. So eating things high in zinc may not be a bad idea. I mean, your body needs zinc anyway. Your body needs it for a lot of things. It's been linked to depression and a lot of health issues that we have so supplementing with zinc or eating things high in zinc are also good seafood beans and lentils so at least the people that are getting all the beans off the shelf they have that they're getting their zinc as long as they're eating them legumes are going to have your zinc in it other supplements that you may want to think about that could help are things like elderberry again uh, studies are kind of all over the place with it some say it helps some say it doesn't you look at the studies that say it helps it did reduce the effects of the infection and the length of time it's also been shown to help with respiratory issues so elderberry is a possibility if you can get your hands on some And and it's okay with you. Um, you Now, if you have any sort of autoimmune disease, you know, look at the information on that because some of these supplements, especially like echinacea, they can have um, contraindications with your medications, especially if you're like immunosuppressed, because they actually ramp up the immune system or they have that ability, and you really want to ramp up your immune system if you're trying to block it because of an autoimmune disease or something like that. Um, so it's something that's going to be more targeted on a virus or microbe might be a better option. And that would be something like possibly silver hydrazole that has shown to have antimicrobial properties. There are several out there. The supplement company I work With has actually has an elderberry syrup that has some other compounds in it, and then they have a silver hydrosol as well, Uh, and that that's something that is safe. Anybody can take it, so there's also a boost to just help keep those things out of your body. Another thing that the the company that I work with has is it's a monolaurin. So monolaurin is a form of lauric acid, which is a fatty acid. So again, going back to premise that some fatty acids have antimicrobial properties so it's monolarm with vitamin C and it's used to help reduce those bugs and there's been it's been shown to help with a lot of different infections and uh, bacteria and virus so it's something that may possibly help the symptoms with this coronavirus as well. So if you can get your hands on something like that, that's also available. I'm willing to order it for you and ship it. I know that they are ramping up manufacturing and, and shipping as possible because I know that people need these supplements. So if that's something you're interested in, you can email me and I can talk to you about what's available and what might be best for you personally. Because there's a lot of different supplements out there, and it may not be the best fit for you. You need to know what is going to work for you and what's going to be the best and not affect anything else that you have going on. I think that's all I want to say about food. Eating nutritious food, eating healthy food, um, reducing the inflammatory foods, things like that are going to help you, uh, not only with this, but just in the long run with your health. And that gives you a good foundation. So another thing that people don't really consider and think about and another thing that's driving me crazy with all of these purchases that people are doing is everyone is buying bleach. Yes, bleach is going to kill anything on every surface. It's going to kill it all. But at the same time, bleach is not good for your lungs. So we have all of these people that are buying all kinds of bleach cleaner, you know that they're going to be using it multiple times a day, making sure that everything is cleaned off. If you're in your home or your office, you're in an enclosed area with those bleach fumes that affect your lung capacity. They have shown that somebody that's cleaning with bleach two times a day over long periods of time actually affects the lungs Permanently, it can cause increased asthma and these respiratory diseases. Having a bunch of bleach fumes in an area where there are people that are sick that are having a respiratory infection may be causing more harm than good. And it's not just the bleach. You know, we all have these candles and sprays and plug-in fragrances and things that are made with chemicals. Even our laundry detergent, a lot of it it has these chemicals and these smells that are not good for our lungs. They're around us all the time. I just, I don't see how that's going to be helpful other than killing the germs. And there are other options for killing the germs that aren't going to hurt your lungs. I know that one of the companies out there At least I'm sure there are several. They have disinfectant sprays that are based on essential oils. They are proven to work just as well as a Lysol or Clorox. You know, they're going to kill 99.9% of everything out there. Be aware of the quality of the air and the environment that you are in. There are air filters out there that have UV lights in them. They can circulate the air. They can kill the germs that are circulating. Look into that kind of thing. Uh, Germ Guardian is the one that I have. I have some small tabletop ones. I don't think they make them anymore. Maybe they have a new version. I don't know, but I've got a big one and I've got some small ones. So I'm bringing those out to cycle through the air, just make sure it's clean. Anytime somebody gets sick, I bring those out and we start killing anything that might be in the air. So that's another option too. You can get fresh air, sunlight, healthy diet, and the things that are going to help you. You know, I didn't even get into the gut. I'm not even going to go there. Gut health is important for anything. But that's going a little bit too far into what I want to do. So I'm going to leave it at that. So whether or not this is something incredibly devastating or it goes away in the night, it's important to keep your health up. It's important to be aware that there are things like this that can happen and not freak out about it but be prepared be comfortable with the cycles of life be comfortable with or at least you know accept that there are things out there that we can't control and we have no control over even though there are things that are scary there are things that we can't control we come into awareness of those things every day this is no different It's just maybe we're able to handle something we can see in front of our faces instead of something that is so small that it gets into ourselves. But it's the same thing. We still have to be aware of those things. Really lean into those cycles and understand that we are just a piece and a part of a bigger picture. And, you know, sometimes... The world needs to burn. Tornadoes need to blow and destroy. Things have to be eaten. They have to die. In order for us to transform and to grow. To see what has not been working and what needs to be changed. Because that's really where we are right now. We are seeing a lot of the ways that the way we are living has not worked. It's putting it in our faces and showing us what we need to do differently, or at least start talking about those things that need to be done differently and uh, put some actions into place so that uh, we are not only more prepared, but we are living in a way that is better for all of us, a way that is more in alignment with the the natural way of life, Because living in a way that's more flow, I hate saying that because it's so overused, but that's really what it is. It's living in those cycles and living in that flow and in a way that is more us and not on um, money or wealth or power or any of those things that we've been basing our decisions on and look where it's gotten us. So stay safe. Protect yourself as much as you can by staying healthy. Be smart about where you go. Not cause more problems and issues than need to be. And let this all play out. Until next time.